Whatever you came in this weekend with, whatever you came in carrying or holding, maybe things you consciously knew, things that are kind of keeping you up at night that you're sending maybe emails or texts about, maybe things that you don't know that have settled below the surface of your life, maybe that are dwelling so deep in your heart and only God knows where they are. God is here in this room with more of God's life, more of God's healing and mending, more of God's freedom, more of God's presence, more of God's insight and clarity and power and forgiveness and goodness for all of us. You've chosen to come closer. The reason why you've done that is because God is so close to you, closer than you can breathe. Like our story yesterday of Jacob on the run, so afraid. Everything had blown up in his family. He's on the run. The sun sets and God appears to him. And Jacob says, surely it was God who was in this place and I didn't even know it. Friends, God is in this place, bringing you here in your life. When you were bustling to get here and trying to pack the car and trying not to snap at that family member. <laughs> trying to graze for yourself. <laughs> so I just want to acknowledge that, even as I invite Elliot up here to read our text for today. I'm going to try not to monologue too long on this. It's my favorite passage of scripture. I probably say that about a few, just disclaimer, but this is one of them. So sometimes we can talk a lot about things we love. Um, and kids, if, if you're, if you need some time to run around, like do it. This is like our family time. Come on up, Elliot. Uh, there's like crayons and, and paper and adults, if you want to, if you want to doodle too, do it. So Elliot, will you read the word for the Lord for us? And let me try to bring this down to your level. That, that night, Jacob got up. He took his two wives, he took his two wives, two female servants, and, and his eleven sons, and sent them across the Jabbok River. After they crossed the stream, he sent over everything he owned. So Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the morning. The man saw that he couldn't win, so he touched the inside of Jacob's hip. As Jacob wrestled with the man, Jacob's hip had t was twisted. Then the man said, Let me go, it is morning. But Jacob replied, I won't let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will not be Jacob anymore. Instead, it will be Israel. You have wrestled with God and with people, and you have won. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why would do you want to know my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named the place Pen Peniel and said, I saw God face to face, but I am still alive. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Amen. Yes, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A wise person once told me that all of life is learning when to hold on and when to let go. How long do I hold on to this job or relationship for? How long do I hold on to this grudge or this pain that I've been carrying without working through it? How long do I hold on to this belief or this community or this hope I have about something in the world that matters a lot to me? 
where Dan and I feel like holding on has been a theme through a lot of our life together. And I think that's maybe because some things were taken from us that we didn't get to make a lot of decisions about. Right. We had to move states and homes and we said goodbye to a parent and a child. And that took up a lot of our first seven years of marriage. So to make up for it, we like to hold on now wherever we can. <laughs> like we hold on to cars. Right? We hold on to cars. Yeah. Uh, don't ask me how long we're planning on having our two cars. I think the, it's indefinitely. Right. It's until we, they, we cannot drive them anymore. <laughs> We like to hold on to books. We have so many books that we overran our bookshelves. And so now we have books in front of books with books stacked on top of books. It's just, can you picture that? That's, that's what we have in our house. <laughs> we like to hold on to relationships. When, we, when we're friends with people, we tend to stay friends with them for a long time. In fact, sometimes there's some people we journey with maybe a little too long. We're like, we should have let you go. That was kind of hurting us. You know, we kept hoping these would get better. We like to hold on. And as we're leaving camp today, however you feel, whether you want to stay another day or you're like, oh, please, I want to go home with my nice hot water pressure shower. <laughs> um, the story we're looking at today, the one that the one that Elliot read, is one that people of faith, God's people, whether it's Jew or non-Jew, have held on to for thousands of years. This is a story that people of faith could not let go. Yes, it's a story of transformation, and we could even say it's kind of a story of healing, but the guy in it winds up hurting his hip. God hurts his hip. He walks with a limb the rest of his life. It's kind of a story of healing, but kind of not. It's a strange story. There's a stranger in the text. It doesn't even say it's God, but Jacob knows something. We've held on to this story. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this story. Uh, I, know, I know Elliot read it, and I invite you with me. Sometimes in church, uh, when we open up the Word together, sometimes we go like thought by thought. And we kind of work through it like more exegetically or, or like literarily through it. Sometimes we look at it like theologically, like what is this saying about God or about us and in terms of God's big picture, God's big story for us. And sometimes we just listen to the story and we let it wash over us and we see what to hold on to through the Holy Spirit and what to let go of. So if that's okay, can we make this one big Sunday school lesson? I'm just going to share this story in my own words. I invite you to picture it with me as we look at something, a story that I've held on to for a long time. It's a story of a person, but it's also a story of a people. It's a story of one, one long night and a person who learned what to hold on to and what to let go of. Now, we've talked before about God's promises, right? God's promises to Abraham and Sarah. And uh, we talked about God's, woo, quick catch. We learned about God's ever-widening circles of blessing, right? God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. And then circle gets bigger. I'm going to bless those who bless you. And the circle gets even bigger. I'm going to, through you, all families of the world will be blessed. So it gets to be a really wide circle. So that was Abraham and Sarah. So these are grandparents. They have a son, Isaac. And Isaac has, with, with Rebecca, has twin boys, Jacob and Esau. So Jacob, we saw in our story today, he's the grandchild of Abraham. But it kind of looks like none of God's promises are coming true. They're going to be like a blessing to all families on earth. They're going to like, everyone who blesses them will be blessed. They're just a little family. There's two twin boys. And the problem is these two boys, to get... To say that they don't get along would be like really putting it mildly. Like in the womb, they were like sparring with each other and it didn't really ever stop. 
even when they came out, like one put the foot out and then the other one came out first and then they were basically in a power struggle <laughs> as long as we read about them. So I'm just thinking, wow, that must have been a fun family system. <laughs> I'm really, wow, makes mine look so good. <laughs> I don't want to trade places with Jacob. I think it's pretty good. And, you know, my, my, my name was supposed to be Israel because my parents thought I was a boy. So they named me after Jacob, but they wanted to give me his transformed name. So Israel. <laughs> and then I was a girl, so it didn't matter. I got to be named Rebecca after the mom. Yay. <laughs> um, okay. These are front and back. Okay. So the youngest one, um, he was born. He almost was born first. He actually like put, he, he put his like foot out and then his brother wound up to wiggle way out. And now the reason why this is important is because in the ancient Near East, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, it really mattered who was born first. It really mattered for two different reasons. Because there were two things that came to you if you were the eldest, and then you were entrusted with this to, to distribute it well and lead well for the rest of the family. The two things were blessing and birthright. I'm going to butcher the way of saying it because I wasn't able to look it up on my little app because my Wi-Fi is not working. It's Bechora and Barakah, the blessing and the birthright. Those go to whoever is born first. One of them, the birthright, has to do with being the, the torchbearer for your family, the one to kind of carry the spiritual legacy of your family. And the other one, the blessing, is more material. It had to do with getting an inheritance and succeeding well in the world and having the resources to lead well. So these two things went together. But in Isaac's family, there was a fracturing that went far, far deeper than just the power struggle between these two boys. Isaac was willing to give the birthright to Isaac. There's something about him that he would lead well. There's something in him that was attuned to God and that his family thought, yeah, you would be a good one to lead us as our torchbearer. And the thing is, Esau didn't care about the birthright. He actually traded it away. He's like, oh, yeah, you want to be the spiritual leader of this house? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Just give me some of that stew. So, like, Esau didn't really care about the birthright. He cared about the blessing. He cared about the stuff you would have, the resources you would have. So Isaac's okay with splitting these up. Rebecca's not. She thinks both of them go together. And she received a prophecy that Jacob was going to be the one who'd be the leader of nations. He was going to be the one that, that all God's promises through Abraham would be fulfilled in. So we have this power struggle, these two people who can't see eye to eye. And so on one really difficult day, Rebecca and Jacob decide to trick their dad into giving the blessing to Jacob. And it works. Esau comes back from the fields. Jacob's all dressed up literally like in goat hair because like he's not very hairy and his brother is and his, his dad's blind. So he literally tricks his dad into like feeling his arms and being like, I guess you're Esau. I'll bless you then. And his dad literally gives him all the blessings and he throws in even blessings that are like birthright-ish. He like, because he loves Esau. Esau's his favorite. He wants Esau to have everything secretly. If he could say everything he wanted, it would be that Esau is God's chosen blessed one. And the thing is, Esau is blessed. Esau's part of this wonderful family, and yet there's something deeper at play, something that everyone's wrestling with, and it, there's not quite an equitable resolution. And it blows up in their face, even though, you know, the ruse goes, well, Jacob gets blessed. Finally, he has everything he's ever wanted. He's been holding on to his brother's foot all his life, and he won. Boom. Esau comes back from the field and is ready to kill him. And suddenly, they can't live together anymore. Jacob has to leave. 
He doesn't have a home. He doesn't have birthright either or blessings. He's no longer any kind of spiritual torchbearer for his family. He is alone. All he has in his hand is his shepherd's staff. He has to go to his uncle Laban's house in this far off distant land in Syria. He, he's, how is he blessed? He doesn't have the blessing or the birthright. Everything he's been holding on to has slipped through his fingers. As he wins, he loses and the sun sets. That was our text for yesterday. Sunsets and Jacob sees God. It's not a stranger. It is not a dark night. In his dream, he sees the glory of heaven open and there's a ladder and it's like shining brightness. And it's very clear who God is. The Lord, the host of the angel armies is right there and is like, I'm going to bless you and I will make a covenant with you and I will give you this land you're on. So God literally speaks to Jacob and is like, I am with you. It looks like you've lost everything. I know you kind of tussled about it. That was not my plan. We could have done it a better way, but you know what? I'm with you. We're going to work this out. It's very plain. So plain that Jacob can't even deny what he's seen. God is here. Didn't even know it. And then he heads off and spends the next 20 years wrestling with the original wrestler, his Uncle Laban. Now, Uncle Laban knows how to trick anybody. He's a very clever man. He's kind of slippery, kind of wily. And over the course of these 20 years, he manages to make Jacob work very hard for him. He manages to give both of his daughters to him, makes him work 14 years for them. Back in the day, in this ancient Near East, you could totally marry multiple people and they could be sisters. Both of those things are bad ideas. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it. I don't think Jacob would either. I think there was like a lot of like, you know, not like happy tension in that family. It's like, woo, not so great. Um, so he, he goes and over 20 years, he is wrestling with Laban. And then Laban is like trickier than he is. Laban's got him by the foot. He's got him by the foot. And he can't seem to get out of it. Laban keeps changing his wages. And God keeps blessing him, giving him flocks and herds and resources and many children. Many children. At the end of 20 years, he's like 11 boys. Who knows how many girls? Maybe a, like we can guess. If the number's not there, can you guess? No, probably not. But if I could guess, I would say lots of daughters. And um, one day God appears to him in a dream and says, uh, you, you need to go back home. You need to go back home. He's not really been home for 20 years. He's been in Laban's house. Laban's house isn't his home. And he's been looking for a home, right? When, he, when the sun set and he had that dream, he named that place God's house. He's like, that's house is here. This is Bethel. But he hasn't had a home. He's been looking for one, wrestling, trying to find his way. So he sends word because if he's going to go back home, he knows who's there. Who's at home? waiting for him to come back. His brother Esau. Esau's still there. Esau said, if you ever come back here, I will kill you. The thing is, if Esau was like eating or drinking the wrong thing, he could literally do it. So Esau is a force to be reckoned with. So Jacob sends his brother like this peaceable message. And he starts on his way with his huge caravan. And then he gets word, really bad news. He gets word that his brother is on his way to meet him with 400 men. This isn't a welcoming committee. This is not the aunties bringing out the wonderful things they've baked and made. 
Adele did not sew wonderful gift bags for them. Adele, thank you for sewing us gift bags. That was wonderful. If you got a bag, a goodie bag when you came to camp, chances are Adele sewed it. Thank you, Adele. <laughs> One, thank you. Yay. There were no gift bags for Jacob, can I just say? <laughs> He's on his way, his whole family. Oh, and then Laban tries to come after him literally with his own fighting men. Because Laban's like, wait, you've been the like the cash cow. You've been the goose laying the golden egg. I don't want to let you go either. So there's all this wrestling. They managed to make peace. So Jacob, he has I can only imagine like what a terrible feeling it must have been in the pit of his stomach. Have you ever had a really, really bad feeling when things got really bad? Like maybe you realized that there was a project you had to do and you had to write a paper and read a book and it's due the next day. It's a bad feeling, kids. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I've heard of it happening to kids before. Yeah. Or maybe maybe you're in grad school and you have like all these projects and then the end of the quarter semester is there and you realize like, I didn't budget my time. I will not be able to finish anything, everything. Ah. Or maybe you're working on a project at home and you have a deadline for it or at work and it looks like it's not going to be able to come up. And like this horrible, horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach, like it's not going to work out. I tried so hard for it to work out. I've done everything I can for it to work out. I've been wrestling my whole life for things to work out. I've been holding all onto this, trying to make it work, and it's not working out. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. And I can only imagine the horrible feeling Jacob had when he found out his brother was coming after him with 400 men. So you know what he does? He like... He does what he can. He divides his company up into two, two groups. So if one is attacked, the other one can get away. And then he, he, he's so restless. He, he sends gifts on ahead. Please give these for my brother. Like he, he went and got like the very best cow, like the very best cows, the very best sheep goats, whatever, whatever he had, he sent the best of it on ahead and say, make sure you say this is from your servant, Jacob. These are wonderful gifts for you by my wonderful older brother Esau. You know, like I'm not coming back to get my birthright. I'm not coming back to get a blessing. I'm just coming back because I want to come home. And God told me it was time for me to go home. So he still can't sleep, though. He, he does all this work. It's the end of that day. And chances are he'll meet his brother the next day, depending how fast those 400 men are riding their horses. Or maybe they're walking. I don't know. The text doesn't say. He knows they're coming up pretty quickly, though. So he sends his family over to the other side of the river. It's where he's going to have to join them soon. My guess is he was in so much turmoil, he didn't want all his kids to see him that way. Because you know, like when things are really bad, if you've ever been a parent or you've been around like kids, you know, maybe you're an uncle or an auntie and you're feeling terrible, they can sense it, right? Even those of you who have pets, sometimes if you're feeling bad and the dog comes up to be like, are you okay? <laughs> Jacob felt terrible and he didn't want them, I'm maybe thinking maybe he wanted to be alone. So he stayed where he was, he sent them over. And then... The worst possible thing happened. Wasn't that Esau showed up with 400 men? He's still waiting for that, that bad thing to happen the next day. A stranger appears and gets in a fighting stance and they begin grappling. Can you picture this? It is like, it's like a metaphysical, like on all these layers, it is complicated and, and weird and, and gripping. What, what are they doing? What did he feel? Was at first he trying to get away? But at some point in time, something changes. Because maybe he's no longer trying to get away from this person. Maybe he suddenly realizes that this is no ordinary person. And sometimes in pictures, in scripture, or in, in the Bible, or like in different books, you'll see uh, this person depicted as an angel. But to Jacob, this is not an angel. This is the Lord God. And the thing is, 
first when he had that dream, you know, 20 years beforehand when the sun set. In his dream, he saw God in like bright shining, so clear. And here he is at the end. It's not shining and clear. It's in darkness. It's a stranger. And they're wrestling. But when something in him realizes that God is there in that place and he didn't even know it, he cannot let go. Maybe all the wrestling that he had not done over the years that maybe he had wanted to do even more of, you know, that last word with Laban, one thing he wishes he could tell his mom before his mom died, maybe something, all those things he wanted to say to Esau but never got the chance. Maybe what he really wanted to say, all those, all those things that he could have wrestled. Instead, he is wrestling not with any of those people who he could have a bone to pick with. He takes his wrestling to God and now suddenly will not let God go. I think for us here in this room, there are people we could wrestle with. There are memories we could wrestle with. And perhaps we need to do that. And sometimes that can be really helpful. And at some point in time, sometimes it's not. We realize there's only so much mental wrestling I can do over this. I'm not going to have the last word with my, that person. I'm not going to be able to change that situation around. I'm not going to be able to fix that. I'm never going to be able to talk to that person. But there's a stranger in the darkness in the turmoil, present, holding on. And Jacob holds on too. One of my friends in seminary, Kenneth, uh, told us, told me once that um, wrestling, because I think he used to wrestle in high school, wrestling is all about knowing when to hold on and when, when to let go. So here they are, grappling. And when Jacob realizes it's no ordinary person, he says this, I won't let go. He's not just with his actions, he's saying it, I won't let go. If you could wrestle with God in the place where there's turmoil and darkness and maybe not a lot of clarity, in the place of the unknown, in the place where there's loss, in the place where you feel maybe you can't talk about this right now to anybody else or share this, you could wrestle with God, what would it be over? If you could say anything, what would you say? I will not let you go, Jacob says. I will not let you go until you bless me. And even with his hip twisted out of joint, he's not letting go. I think he realized that long night who he wanted to hold on to. It was God and what he wanted. It was God's blessing. It wasn't the blessing of an inheritance from a father who didn't care much about him. It wasn't the blessing of influence or leadership or wisdom or power or riches or resources. He's a rich man in so many ways already. He's not wrestling for a blessing that anyone else can give him, but for something only God can give. I won't let you go until you bless me. And there in the in-between of the darkest point of the night and just when the light begins to break through, just when there's tiny streaks of light in the sky, it's a liminal, sacred space. The wrestling turns into a blessing and the grappling turns into an embrace. Jacob's name, which means grasper. It's not a, quite as cool as wrestler, right? Grasper, it's more about like trying to grab the heel, trying to get ahead, trying to plant the person and how to use so you can go ahead. Jacob's name is transformed. He's been upgraded. He's no longer a grasper. He's now a wrestler because Israel in this text means he who wrestles with God and prevails. He gets a name change. You are a winner, God says. The scripture text 
doesn't tell us what blessing God spoke over him. But I can imagine his soul leaped when he heard it. I can imagine it was what he had been longing to hear ever since he could long for something. I can imagine it filled his soul and healed him in ways he could only look back and remember. And that limp reminded him every single time he limped, he remembered of that blessing. <laughs> the blessing that he waited for and longed for his whole life. Maybe it was the blessing of being seen, of being loved, of being known, of being taken seriously to be grappled with. Maybe it was the blessing of being at home in the world. There's a place for you and your children. Your legacy can go on. You can grow with God and others. We have no idea what blessing God spoke. But friends, if God could give you a blessing today, if you took your wrestling to God instead of to the people who hurt you or the church, you know, existentially or literally who let you down or political party or parties you feel threatened by, if you took your wrestling to God, what blessing would God tailor right for you? There in the dark, at the end of the long night, just as the sun is starting to come up. You see, there's, in the text, the writer of this is very intentional. The sun went down as he was leaving home. And 20 years later, after wrestling all night, the sun comes up. 20 years, that's a long night for Jacob. It wasn't just a long night there by the river. It was 20 years of a long night. And some of you have lived a lot of your life in a long night, waiting for the blessing. Some of you have lived a lot of your years in the long night, waiting for the sunrise, waiting to hear the words you've been waiting to hear, waiting for the promise that never came, waiting for the person to show up who didn't, waiting to finally be seen. Friends, God was there when the sun set in all of God's glory. That was the house of God. And God was there when the sun came up in the darkness through the long night. Jacob names the place Peniel, face of God. For him, it's not even about a house anymore. It's about the face. I saw God and, I, and I'm alive. I'm more alive than I've ever been. Here in this moment, what do you need to hold on to? What do you need to let go of? What sunrise have you experienced? What sunset are you in? Sunset, sunrise, that's it. Ends with the sunrise. What blessing do you want to hear God say to you? We're about to come to the table right here uh, for communion. Oh, I, I probably should share the end of the story. So after, uh, after he wrestles with God, he's blessed, he's renamed. The sun rises. Guess who comes out to greet him with the 400 men? His brother. But something about the two of them has changed. We don't know what happened to Esau during the night either. We, we don't hear that part of the story. But we know that as Jacob limps out to greet him, that Esau comes with his hands outstretched and they meet. There's genuine tears of joy. There's laughter. Might not be a lot of trust. <laughs> You know, they don't travel together after that. Jacob's like, no, no, thanks for the offer of traveling with you, but I'm good on my own. <laughs> but there's an embrace. And for a moment, there is harmony. There's the two brothers always at each other's heels, grabbing onto each other, now holding onto each other with love. That's how the story ends. It's a beautiful ending. There as the sun comes up. 
So here we are. Maybe you are in your own sunset experience or sunrise experience. Uh, maybe you're thinking about what to hold on to or let go of. Um, and here we have at the table a picture of God who is always holding on to us, who never lets go, who invites us to wrestle, who invites us to have food for the journey that is God's own self. It's like, I will feed you with myself as you're in this long night. So we're going to come up and take communion. And I'm thinking, can we do it maybe by like by family or by friend family? So if you're here by yourself, find someone to walk up with. And then um, if you want, as you're able. If, if you can't get up from your seat, you want someone to come to you, we can bring it to you as well. But um, we're just going to have some music playing and I invite you into this time. If you want some time, if you want some prayer, I'm just going to grab a little thing of oil and I'll be right over here just to anoint you and pray, pray God's that God's blessing over you will be given because uh, God knows the words. So yeah, um, why don't we just take a moment, maybe if you want to, uh, I'll pray, I'll pray before the table and then you'll just play quietly. Okay, okay, does that sound good? If you came with kids, if you want to bring your kids up and you can all take it together. Okay, so let's pray. God who, who wrestles with us, thank you that we can be your people, that we are even among the children of Israel, right? All grafted in through Jesus. We get to be children of the one who wrestles. And you never let go of us. And you invite us in all the sunrises and sunsets and in all of our holding on and letting go to focus our attention, focus our wrestling on the, what's really important. Lord, in this moment, we, we name, we name what we're holding on for. In this moment, we name what we're letting go of. For those of us who don't even know, but just know that there's some kind of turmoil inside. Pray that you be in that turmoil just as you were with Jacob as a kind, beautiful stranger who would not let go. We come to your table now, ready to receive your gifts of your body and your blood, your, your real presence given to us to sustain us for this journey ahead. Thank you for all that has come before and for the gift of your son, Jesus, who wrestled even on the cross, wrestled with humanity, even wrestled with you. Why have you forsaken me? Bless these gifts and may they fuel us. In the name of Jesus, amen.